0: You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Have a good day.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended.
2: Good evening and welcome to Reimagined Radio. I'm John Barber, producer and director, and it's my pleasure to welcome you tonight to the historic Kiggins Theater in downtown Vancouver, Washington. Tonight we bring you our reimagined adaptation of The Maltese Falcon, a novel by American writer Dashiell Hammett, first published in 1930. The Maltese Falcon is often cited as the best example of both noir and hard-boiled detective fiction. From the noir subgenre, there is a bleak tone with nihilistic characters whose greed causes them to lie steal, and cheat, becoming entangled more and more in a web of machinations from which they cannot escape. The hard-boiled detective genre features a somewhat fallen private detective who may bend, even break, the law in pursuit of justice, and who, despite a broken moral compass, emerges from dilemmas with a clean ethical slate. In both noir and hard-boiled detective fiction, It is the interaction between characters that moves the story forward. Our story tonight features a definitive cast of classic characters. First, there's Sam Spade, a shop-worn private detective with a comeback for everything. Spade is hounded by police detectives, thugs, and public officials driven by personal career interests. Effie Perrine, Spade's secretary, provides comfort and moral guidance but she has Spade's number. There's Miles Archer, Spade's partner, who is murdered within the first few minutes, and the Spade has to spend the rest of the drama figuring a solution. Joel Cairo is a criminal for sure, but he smells of gardenias. <laughs> Casper Gutman, the fat man, is wealthy, cunning, charming, and obsessed with a falcon statuette. And finally, there's Bridget O'Shaughnessy, a femme fatale, beautiful but treacherous, who changes her name and loyalty at the drop of a dime. It's a volatile but entertaining mix, making The Maltese Falcon arguably one of the best detective stories ever written. We aim to do it justice with our adaptation. Thank you for joining us tonight. Rather than putting away your social media now, please keep it handy and tweet and post using the hashtag Reimagined Radio on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram platforms. Now, please, sit back, relax, and enjoy our performance of the Maltese Falcon. Our story tonight is about Sam Spade, a private detective with his own code of ethics. He's a tough enough guy to bluff the toughest thugs and hold off the police, risking his reputation when a beautiful woman begs for his help with a heartbreaking story, all the while knowing that betrayal may deal him a new hand in the next moment.
3: My name is Spade, Sam Spade, license number 357896, issued by the police department in San Francisco. Occupation, private detective, sometimes known as a private eye. My files in the case of the Maltese Falcon are closed, but I've got the Maltese Falcon. I got it and some dough. My partner got murdered, and a very slick chick went up for life. I'll tell you about it. The story begins early one morning.
2: When he heard the knocks at the front door of his San Francisco apartment at 4.30 in the morning, Spade knew it was the police. He was dressed for them, however, a thin white Union suit, gray pants and socks, black garters, and brown shoes. He wore a green striped shirt, a soft white collar, a green necktie. His rounded shoulders kept his freshly pressed gray jacket from fitting well.
4: Yeah, all right, Spade, open up. We know you're in there, Spade. Come on. Who is it? Dundee and Pullhouse want to speak to you.
3: Come in, Lieutenant Dundee. Nice time to make a call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 4.30 in the morning. Or did your watch stop?
4: We don't have any hours on the force, Spade. And got a couple of questions to ask you.
3: Sure. you Tom. Fix you a drink? Take the edge off before breakfast?
4: Hello, Sam. No thanks. What do you know about this killing, Spade? Very little.
5: Miles Archer was your partner, wasn't he? That's right. Spade and Archer, private detectives. You know, I guess you'll have to change that name. Yeah.
3: From now on, it's just Sam Spade.
4: Yeah. Uh, you don't seem very broken up over this spade. A Miles Archer gets shot dead two hours ago, and you toss it off like a scotch and soda.
3: Haven't you anything better to do than popping in here early in the morning and asking a lot of fool questions? And getting a lot of lying answers. You don't like me, do you, Dundee? Well, listen, it's been a long time since I burst into tears because a policeman didn't like me.
4: I don't like private detectives. Cops, not on the force. Now, I asked you what you knew about Miles Archer getting killed.
3: Well, once again, very little. You've always called me at 10 after 2. I understand they found a Webley automatic in the alley with one bullet out of it.
4: Yeah. Was Archer out on a job last night? Well,
3: sure. He was supposed to be tailing a fellow named Floyd Thursby.
4: Thursby? He was a St. Louis gunman who got in trouble with the law several times for uh, petty crime and battery charges. Why were you tailing him?
3: Come on, Spade, what for? We were trying to find out where he lived.
4: Spade, suppose you answer once without thinking so hard.
3: I'll tell it or not as I damn please. I don't like this, Dundee. Why are you coming in here trying to rope me? Tell me or get out and let me get to bed.
4: We're trying to learn why you were tailing Thursby.
3: My way of learning is to heave a wild and unpredictable monkey wrench into the machinery. It's all right with me. If you're sure none of the flying pieces will hurt you. So, why
4: were you tailing
3: Thursby? I wasn't. Miles was. For the swell reason that we had a client who was paying good United States money to have him tailed.
5: Who's the client?
3: Well, I'm sorry. You know I can't tell you that until I've talked it over with the client.
5: Be reasonable, Sam. Give us a chance.
3: My clients are entitled to a decent amount of secrecy. Maybe I can be made to talk to a grand jury or even a coroner's jury, but I haven't been called before either one yet. And it's a cinch I'm not gonna advertise my client's business until I have to.
5: How can we turn up anything on Miles Killing if you don't tell us what you've got?
3: (sighs) Okay. There was a girl who wanted us to tell Thursby. What girl? She came in the office yesterday afternoon. I didn't know who she was. Effie announced her about three o'clock. Said there was a girl to see me, a girl named Wonderly.
6: There's a girl to see you, Mr. Spade. She says her name's Wonderly.
2: That's Effie Perrine, Spade's secretary. She's a lanky, sunburned woman. Her eyes are brown and playful, her face shiny, boyish. Spade treats her like a little girl, but as Spade will admit, he doesn't know how to talk to women.
3: What is she, Angel? A customer?
6: I guess so. You'll want to see her anyway, Mr. Spade. She's a knockout.
3: Well, sure, in, Effie darling.
6: Will you come in, Miss Wonderly?
2: The woman in Spade's office was indeed, as Effie described her, attractive. Her dress and coat, two shades of blue, matched her eyes. Dark red hair curled from under her blue hat. Her full lips were more darkly red, contrasting nicely with her white teeth.
3: Yeah, that's right. What can I do for you, Miss Wonderly?
0: Well, I... I don't know where to start. I asked at the hotel for a name of a reliable private detective, and they mentioned yours.
3: I see. Well, now, suppose you tell me about it from the very beginning.
0: Well, I'm from New York. I've come here to find my sister, Corinne.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, are you sure she's in San Francisco?
0: Well, she was two weeks ago. I have a letter from her. She... She came here with a man named Thursby. Floyd Thursby.
3: You mean she ran away with him?
0: Yes. Oh, Mr. Spade, I've got to find her. Mother and father in Honolulu and it would kill them. I've got to get her back before they come home.
3: Well, what did she say in her letter?
0: Nothing, except that she was all right. I sent her a note begging her not to do anything foolish. I sent it to General Delivery. I told her I was coming out to get her. I shouldn't have done that, should I?
3: Well, it's not always easy to know what to do. You haven't found her?
0: No. No, I told her I'd be at the St. Mark Hotel for her to meet me there. But I've waited three whole days. She didn't come. Didn't even send a message.
3: Well, go on.
0: Oh, it was horrible waiting. Yesterday afternoon, I went to the post office. Corinne didn't come for her mail, but Floyd Thursby did.
3: And did you speak to him?
0: Yes. He wouldn't tell me where Corinne was, but he promised to bring her to the hotel this evening. Oh.
1: Hiya, Sam. Say, uh, oh, excuse me.
3: Oh, it's all right. It's all right, Miles. Uh, Miss Wonderly, this is Mr. Archer, my partner.
1: Well, how do you do? Mr. Archer. Anything I can do, Sam?
3: Well, uh, Miss Wonderly's sister ran away from New York with a fella named Thursby. Mm Mm-hmm. Miss Wonderly's seen Thursby and has a date with him tonight at the St. Mark. Maybe he'll bring the sister with him, but chances are he won't. Miss Wonderly wants us to find the sister and get her away from him and back home, right?
0: Yes, but I want you to know that he's a dangerous man. I don't think he'd stop at anything. I don't believe he'd hesitate to to kill Corinne if he thought it would save him.
3: What time is he coming to see you?
0: Between eight and 10.
3: All right, Miss Wonderly, we'll have a man there.
1: Oh, no, no, Sam, this is too important for that. I'll look after it myself, Miss Wonderley.
3: Oh, thank you.
1: Not at all.
0: Oh. Oh, here. I... I brought some money. Will $200 be enough?
3: Well, to begin with, yes. Oh, by the way, it would help some if you'd meet Thursby in the lobby. Oh, I will.
1: You don't have to look for me, Miss Wonderly. I'll see you all right.
0: Thank you. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye, Miss Wonderly. See you tonight.
0: Yes, goodbye.
3: Well,
1: Miles, what do you think of her? You saw her first, Sam, but I spoke first.
3: I wasn't talking about her as a person. What about her story?
1: Huh? Oh, what about it?
3: Well, you've got a great brain, Miles. Yes, you have. But maybe you're not thinking with your brain. Get out of here and get to work. Now be careful.
4: Uh, So, Miles went out to tail Thursby last night. Yeah. And Thursby shot him. Is that what you think?
3: No, that's what you think, Dundee. I don't know.
4: Tom, get on the phone. Call the St. Mark and ask for a girl named Wonderly.
3: I thought of that myself, Lieutenant. She was never registered. The whole story is probably a fake.
4: Oh, was it? How about yours, Mr. Spade?
3: Uh, Tom, what's your boyfriend getting at?
4: I'll tell you what I'm getting at. Floyd Thursby was shot down in front of his hotel an hour ago. Where were you tonight, Spade? I was
3: right here all night long.
4: Got any proof?
3: No. So you think I shot Thursby, huh?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think you did.
3: <laughs> well, I know where I stand now. Did uh, Thursby die? Uh, yes. And how did I kill him? I forget.
4: He was shot three times in the back with a 44.
3: Hotel people know anything about him?
4: Nothing, except he'd uh, been there a week. Alone? Alone.
3: Well, did you find out who he was, what his game was? Nope. We thought you could tell us that. I've never seen Thursby dead or alive.
4: Now look, Spade. If you did kill Thursby, you'll get a square deal and most of the breaks. I don't know that I blame you a lot, the man that killed your partner, but that wouldn't keep me from nailing you.
3: Well, fair enough. Now, good night, gentlemen. I'm tired. That's how it began. This slick dame comes to see me. Gives me a song and dance about her sister and a guy called Floyd Thursby. She wants me to get her sister back before her mother and father get in from Hawaii. I put my partner, Miles Archer, on the case. That night, he gets murdered. And so does this guy, Thursby. Hello, yes. Oh, hello, Miss Wonderly. Where are you? What's that? Coronet Apartments 101, huh? I'll be there in a few minutes.
2: Spade went round to the apartment where the woman calling herself Wonderly lived. Despite using a false name, she had something Spade seemed to go for.
0: Oh, uh, Mr. Spade, come in.
2: Thank you. She led down the hallway and into a cream and red living room, which was in some disarray.
0: Everything is upside down. I haven't finished unpacking.
3: You're not gonna go around the room straightening things and poking the fire, are you?
0: No, not that. Mr. Spade, I have a terrible confession to make.
3: Yeah? Well, go ahead, Miss Wonderly.
0: Well, that... that story I told you yesterday was all a story.
3: Oh, that's all right. Of course, you lied to us about your sister and all that, but that doesn't count. I didn't believe your story. Then... I believed your $200. You mean... You mean you paid too much for someone who was telling the truth, and enough more to make it all right.
0: (laughs) Oh, I see.
3: No, Angel, you have no idea. I don't care what kind of tricks you're up to, what your secrets are, but I gotta have something to show that you know what you're doing.
0: I do know. Please believe that I do. And that it's all for the best, and...
3: Show me. I'm willing to help you. I've done what I could so far. If necessary, I'll go ahead blindfolded, but I can't do it without more confidence in you than I've got now. You've got to convince me that you know what it's all about. That you're not simply fiddling around by guessing by God, hoping it'll all come out all right somehow in the end.
0: Where can we start?
3: Well, let's clear up one thing first, Miss Wonderly. What? Your name. No, what is it? Not Wonderly.
0: No, it's really O'Shaughnessy.
3: First name? Bridget. Bridget O'Shaughnessy. Well, that's one I can believe.
0: <laughs> Mr. Spade, tell me. Am I to blame for last night?
3: Well, not unless there are things I don't know about. You warned us that Thursby was dangerous. Uh, I w- wouldn't say it was your fault.
0: Oh, thank you. Mr. Archer was so, so alive yesterday, so solid and hardy. Now oh,
3: stop it. He knew what he was doing. Those are the chances we take. Anyway, there's no time for worrying about that. Right now, there's a flock of cops running around with their noses to the ground.
0: Mr. Spade, do they know about me?
3: Well, so far, all they know is there's a girl somewhere.
0: But must they know about me at all, Mr. Spade? Couldn't you manage to shield me from them?
3: Well, maybe, but uh, well, I'll have to know what it's all about.
0: Well, I can't tell you now. Later, I will. You'll have to trust me. Oh, I'm so alone and afraid. I... I've got nobody to help me if you won't. Please trust me. Help me. Be generous, Mr. Spade.
3: (laughs) You don't need much of anybody's help. You're good. It's chiefly your eyes, I think. And that throb you get in your voice when you say things like, be generous, Mr. Spade.
0: All right. I deserve that. But the lie was in the way I said it, not in what I said. You can leave if you like.
3: No, 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 not yet. I got nothing against trusting you blindly, but uh, I can't do you any good if I don't know what it's all about. For instance, I got to have some sort of a line on your friend Thursby.
0: I met him in Hong Kong. We came here just last week.
3: Where? Not from Hong Kong? No. Where?
0: Well, I... I can't tell you.
3: Well, go on.
0: I needed him. I was completely dependent on him. He knew it. He took advantage of it to double-cross me. How? I can't tell you that either.
3: (laughs) Well... Why would you want him shadowed?
0: I wanted to learn how far he'd gone, whom he was
3: meeting. Did he kill Archer? Yes, certainly. Well, Thursby had a luger in his shoulder holster. Archer wasn't killed with a luger.
0: Floyd always carried an extra revolver in his overcoat pocket.
3: Why all the guns?
0: He lived by them. There was a story in Hong Kong that he had come there as a bodyguard for a gambler who had to leave the United States. The gambler disappeared and people said Floyd knew about his disappearing. I don't know. I do know that he was always heavily armed and that he never went to sleep without covering the floor with crumpled newspapers so that nobody could come silently into his room.
3: You picked a nice playmate.
0: (laughs) Only that sort could have helped me if he had been loyal.
3: Yes, if. All right, let's have it now. How about a spot are you in?
0: As bad as bad can be.
3: Physical danger?
0: Yes, and I'm not heroic. I don't think there's anything worse than death.
3: Shut up. You mean someone might kill you?
0: Yes, and they'll get me unless you help. You've got to help, do you hear? You've got to. I said
3: shut up. All right, I'll help you. They'll probably give it to me too, huh? All right, so what? I guess I won't be the first guy to let a dame make a sucker out of him. Mr. Spade, how dare you speak to me with that tone? Forget it. I never know what to do or say to women, except that way. (laughs)
6: back again, Mr. Spade. Who, Effie? That fellow that was here this morning. Here's his card.
3: Joel Cairo. What is he, a character? Mm -hmm.
6: Foreign type. He smells like gardenia flowers.
3: Gardenias, huh? Well, uh, show him in, Effie.
6: Right, will you come in, Mr. Cairo?
3: You're very kind, thank you.
2: Joel Cairo was a dark man of medium height. His hair was black and smooth and glossy. A square cut ruby gleamed against the deep green of his cravat. His black coat flared slightly over his hips. His trousers fitted his legs slightly more tightly than was currently the fashion. <laughs> the uppers of his patent leather shoes were hidden by fond spats. He held a black derby hat and a yellow chamois gloved hand. His teeth were very white.
3: He was foreign. Now, uh... Sit down, Mr. Cairo. Thank you. I'm Sam Spade. Something I can do for you, Mr. Cairo?
7: Yes, thank you. But first, may a stranger offer condolences for your partner's unfortunate death? Thank you. And may I ask, Mr. Spade, if there is is a certain relationship between that unfortunate happening and the death later of the man Thursby? May I ask that? No. I beg your pardon. Mr. Spade, I am trying to recover a, a, an ornament that has been, shall we say, mislaid. I thought and hoped you could assist me. Yeah? The ornament is a statuette, a black figure of a bird. Yeah? And I'm prepared to pay, on behalf of the figure's rightful owner, the sum of $5,000 for its recovery. And uh, wh- what is the phrase? Uh, uh,
3: no questions will be asked. Well, $5,000 is a lot of money. Come in.
6: Is there anything else for me, Mr. Spade?
3: Oh, no. Uh, good night, Effie. Uh, lock the door when you go, will you? Mm-hmm. Good night. Yes, Mr. Cairo, $5,000 is a, a very. What do you think you're doing? I am pointing a revolver at a spot directly
7: between your eyes. You will please clasp your hands together at the back of your neck and do not move. I intend to search your office. And if you attempt to prevent me, I shall certainly shoot you. All right. Go ahead. You will please stand.
3: I shall make sure you are not armed. Certainly. Oh. Oh. <coughs> All right, Mr. Cairo, drop the gun, please. Drop it. Drop it. Or do I twist your arm off at the elbow?
7: Here, take it.
3: Yeah, thanks. Now sit down over there and behave yourself. You...
7: you have bruised
3: me, Mr. Spade. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. I guess I got a little annoyed. I don't like guys who make a phony offer of $5,000. You are
7: mistaken, Mr. Spade. That was and is a genuine offer. Yeah? I am indeed prepared to pay $5,000 for the figure's return. You have the figure? No. Then why did you risk serious injury to prevent my searching for it?
3: Well, I should sit around and let people come in and stick me up. So the offer still goes, huh? Uh, most certainly. Well, all right. Now, let's put all the cards on the table. Your first guess was that I had the bird. Yeah, there's nothing to that. Now, what's your second guess?
7: That you know where it is. Or at least that you know it is where you can get it.
3: Well, you're not hiring me to do any murders or burglars for you, but simply to get it back, if possible, in an honest, lawful way.
7: If possible and in any event, with discretion. I am at the Hotel Belvedere, when you wish to communicate with me. Good evening,
3: Mr. Spade. So long. Oh, uh, wait, Uh, you know a girl named Wonderly?
7: No, I do not.
3: Well, how about Bridget O'Shaughnessy?
7: The Hotel Coronet, Mr. Spade, room 101. Okay. Oh, by the way, may I have my revolver back, please? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I forgotten. Here you are. Thank you. Now, you will please keep your hands behind your head. I still intend to search your office. Well, I'll be. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Thank you.
2: After Cairo left, Spade started for Bridget O'Shaughnessy's hotel.
1: Oh,
0: Mr. Spade.
2: The eagerness with which Miss O'Shaughnessy greeted Spade suggested she was not entirely certain of his visit.
0: Do you have any news for me?
3: Yeah, a little.
0: Did you manage it so the police won't have to know about me?
3: No, they won't. For a while, anyway.
0: Oh, well, you won't get into any trouble, will you, Mr. Spade?
3: Oh, I don't mind a reasonable amount of trouble.
0: Do sit down, please.
3: Now, look, you aren't exactly the sort of person you pretend to be, are you? I'm not sure I know what you mean. Oh, the schoolgirl manner, stammering, blushing, all that. Because if you are, honey, we'll never get any place. Now stop acting.
0: All right, I'm sorry.
3: Good. I saw Joel Cairo tonight. You you know him? Only slightly. What did he say? About what? About me. Nothing.
0: Well, what did he talk about?
3: Well, he offered me $5,000 for the Blackbird.
0: bird. Oh, did he? And what did you say?
3: Well, I said $5,000 is a lot of money.
0: It is. It's a lot more than I could ever offer you if I must bid for your loyalty. <laughs>
3: well, that's good, coming from you. Give me another day like this, I'll soon be knowing things that you don't know. Now, you've gotten away with this and that, but you can't keep it up forever. What have you given me besides $200? Have you given me any of your confidence, any of the truth?
0: Can't you trust me a little longer?
3: Well, how much is a little? What are you waiting for? Well, I, I must talk to Joel Cairo. Well, you can see him tonight.
0: He can't come here. I can't let him know where I am. I'm afraid.
3: He gave me your address. Well, we can meet at my place then. What about it?
0: All right, your place. Good. But wait, you'll have to let me go about this in my own way. You mustn't interfere.
3: Well, I'll just sit and listen while you talk over old times.
0: (laughs) You're a strange person. I like you.
3: Yeah? Well, don't overdo it.
0: Oh. (laughs) Yes, right.
3: Later
2: that night, Spade welcomed Miss O'Shaughnessy to his apartment. He took her hat and coat, both gray kid skin. Spade telephoned the Hotel Belvedere, left his address, and requested that Joel Cairo stop by for a visit.
3: Cairo arrived shortly thereafter. Hello, Mr. Cairo. Come in, sit down. You know Miss O'Shaughnessy, I presume?
7: I might advise you, Mr. Spade. There's a boy outside who seems to be
3: watching the house. Yes, I know. I spotted him. What boy? Who is he? Oh, I don't know. I want to be tough guy, I guess. He's been tailing me around town all evening. Did he follow you to my apartment? No, I shook him before that. Well, uh, let's start the meeting.
7: I am delighted to see you again, Miss O'Shaughnessy.
3: I was sure you would be, Joel. Well, I'll mix a drink. Uh, Just go ahead, Bridget.
0: Mr. Spade told me about your offer for the Falcon. How soon can you have the money be ready?
3: It is ready.
0: In cash? Oh, yes. You're ready to give us $5,000 if we turn over the Falcon to
7: you. I should be able to give you the money at, say, half past ten in the morning.
0: But I haven't got the Falcon. What? Oh, don't worry. I'll have it in another week at the most.
7: Why must I wait a week? Well,
0: perhaps not a whole week.
7: And why, if I may ask, are you willing to sell it to me at all?
0: I'm afraid. After what happened to Floyd, I'm afraid to touch it, except to turn it over to somebody else right away.
7: Uh, tell me, exactly what did happen to Floyd?
0: He was murdered by the fat man.
7: The fat man? Is he here?
0: I don't know. I suppose so. What difference does it make?
7: <sighs> might make a world of difference.
0: Yes. You might be able to get around to the fat man, Joel, as you did that one in Istanbul. What was his name, the one you did away with?
7: It's alive, you dirty little... <sighs> no.
1: away <sighs> no. <sighs> <Get out of sighs> her! Get away to you here!
7: Oh. Mm. Now cool down. This this is the second time you've put your hands on me, Mr. Spade. Well, try and make it the last. Now you better get out, Cairo. I'll call you tomorrow. You're working for her now, is that it? I'm working for myself.
3: You want to withdraw your offer? Just say so.
7: The offer still stands. Well, alright. Now get out. Very well. Good
3: night, Mr. Spade. Well, you've got some fine friends, Miss O'Shaughnessy. Do they always try to throttle you?
0: I suppose I ought to thank you.
3: Well, you've had your talk with Cairo. Now you can talk to me.
0: Well, it didn't work out the way I'd hoped. I'll have to go now.
3: Oh, no, no, no. Not until you've told me about it. Am I a prisoner? Mm, maybe. Or maybe that kid outside hasn't gone home yet.
0: Do you think he's still there? Likely. I'll stay. For a while, anyhow.
3: Okay. Now, uh, what's this bird This Falcon that everybody's all steamed up about.
0: It's a black figure of a bird. A falcon, about a foot high.
3: Well, what makes it so important?
0: I don't know. They wouldn't tell me. But they promised me $5,000 if I helped them get it from the man who had it.
3: And that was in Istanbul? Yes. Well. well, go ahead.
0: That's all. They promised me the money to help them, and I did. Then we found out that Joel Cairo meant to desert us, taking the falcon with him and leaving Floyd and me nothing. So we did exactly that to Mr. Cairo. We took the bird and left him with nothing. Hmm. But then I wasn't any better off than before because Floyd hadn't any intention of keeping his promise to me about sharing equally. I learned that by the time we got here.
3: What's the bird made of?
0: Porcelain or black stone, I I don't know.
3: You're a liar. What? A liar. Yes, I am. I've always been a liar. Well, don't brag about it. Is there any truth at all in that yarn? Some.
0: Not very much.
3: All right. Well, we've got all night before us. I'll put some coffee on and we'll try again. Oh. Oh,
0: I'm so tired. I'm so tired of lying and thinking up lies and not knowing what is a lie and what's the truth. Don't ask me, please don't. There's any kindness in you at all.
2: Spade never knows what to do or say to women except to be straight ahead. Some might think of Spade as a man with stunted social skills. But Spade never let that bother him.
3: What are you trying now? Oh, that's right. Turn on the beauty. Let your eyes get nice and starry. Put your arms around my neck and look pleadingly at me. Oh, now you're great. You think it's gonna get you any place?
0: Ah, oh, I couldn't. With
3: you. No? Well, don't be so sure. <laughs>
2: When he arrived at his office later that morning, the new sign had been painted on the glass. Sam Spade, private detective. Inside, Effie waited for Spade.
6: Well, you were with Miss Wonderly last night. How was she?
3: What do you think of her?
6: I'm for her.
3: She's got too many names. (laughs) She says the right one is O'Shaughnessy.
6: I don't care if she's got more names than a phone book. That girl is all right and you know it.
3: I wonder. Anyway. She's given me $200, and that's all right.
6: Now, you listen to me, Sam Spade. If that girl's in trouble and you let her down or take advantage of it to bleed her, I'll never forgive you, never have any respect for you as long as I live.
3: Well, right. Anything else?
6: He was here twice, Mr. Spade. Who? He wouldn't leave his name.
3: No place I can reach him?
6: He said something about the Hotel Berkeley.
3: Well, what did he look like, Effie? Can you describe him?
6: Well, that's easy enough. A big fellow, around 275 pounds.
3: Yeah? The fat man.
2: In the lobby of the Hotel Berkeley, Spade watched for the fat man, but he saw only the boy who had followed him for the last three days.
3: All right, all right, son, where is he? What? Come on, where is he? You work for him, don't you? Who? Caspar Gutman, the fat man. I want to speak to him. What do you think you're doing, Jack? Kidding me? I'll tell you when I am. You've been tailing around after me for three days, and I'm getting a little sick of it. And you can tell the fat man I said so. Shove off. You'll have to talk to me before you're through, Sonny. So will he. I said shove off. And you can take your hand out of your pocket. Guns don't scare me much. Keep asking for it,
1: and you're gonna get it.
3: Plenty. People lose their teeth talking like that. If you wanna hang around, be polite. Now, how do I get in touch with the fat man?
1: Room 407. This afternoon at 3. He's expecting
2: you. Spade walked around killing time. He got his shoes shined. He went to John's grill and ordered chops, a baked potato, and sliced tomatoes. He ate slowly, thinking, waiting to meet the fat man.
5: Ah, Mr. Spade, delighted to see you, delighted. Please come in. How do you do, Mr. Gutman?
2: Casper Gutman, the fat man was true both to his given and nicknames. His great egg-shaped body was propelled efficiently by his short, stout legs. His eyes were like his hair, dark and sleek, peering out from the rolls of flesh surrounding them. He wore a black cutaway coat, an iridescent vest of many colors, shiny and glittery like an opium dream. An ascot tie with a pinkish pearl gray striped worsted trousers and patent leather shoes. He was exuberant in voice and manners as he greeted Spade.
3: Sit down, my friend. We'll have a little drink. Well, I can't stay long, sorry. I've got an appointment at the district attorney's
5: office. So, interesting. Say when, Mr. Spade. I'll leave it to you. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. I distrust a man who says when. If he's got to be careful not to drink too much, it's because he's not to be trusted when he does. You're a closed-mouthed man. No, I like to talk. I enjoy it. Better and better. I distrust a closed-mouthed man. He generally picks the wrong time to talk and says the wrong things. Talking
3: is something you can't do judiciously unless you keep in practice.
5: Well, sir, we'll talk.
3: That's swell. Will we talk about the black bird?
5: (laughs) You're the man for me, sir. No beating around the bush, but right to the point. But first, sir, answer me a question. Are you here as Miss O'Shaughnessy's representative or Mr. Cairo's?
3: Well, there's nothing certain about it either way yet. It depends.
5: But which will you represent? It will be one or the other. Not necessarily. Who else is there? Well, there's me. Ah, that's wonderful, sir, wonderful. I do like a man who tells you right off that he's looking out for himself, don't we all? I don't trust a man that says he's not. And the man that's telling the truth when he says he's not, I distrust most of all, because he's an ass that's going contrary to the laws of nature. Uh, Let's talk about the black bird. Let's, Mr. Spade. Have you any conception of how much money can be got for that blackbird? No. Well, sir, if I told you half, you'd call me a liar. No, not even if I thought so. <laughs> you uh, know what the bird is, of course. No, I don't. You don't? They didn't tell you that.
3: Well, I know what it's supposed to look like, and I know the value in human life
5: you people put on it. But Miss O'Shaughnessy didn't tell you what it is. And Cairo didn't either? mm Well, they must know what it is. Or, or do they? What, what is your impression, sir? Well, there
3: isn't much to go by. Cairo wouldn't talk. The girl said she didn't know, but I took it for
5: granted she was lying. Then they don't know. I am the only one in this whole wide, wonderful world who does. Well, that's great.
3: When you've told me, that'll be two of us.
5: Mathematically correct, sir. But I don't know for certain that I'm going to tell you.
3: Now, don't be foolish. You know what it is, I know where it is. That's why I'm here.
5: Well, sir, where is it? There, you see? I must tell things, but you refuse. That is hardly equitable, sir. No, 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 no. I don't think we can do business along these lines.
3: You don't, huh? Well, think again and think fast. I told that tough guy of yours that you'd have to talk to me before you have finished. Now I tell you that you'll do your talking today or you're through. Now what are we wasting my time for? I can get along without you. Now talk, talk.
1: Anything wrong, boss?
3: Come in, Wilmer. Oh yeah, yeah, come in, sonny. Keep your hat on and your hand off your gun or I'll knock your ears down.
5: Listen, you. Wilmer. Just stand over there, Wilmer. Acceptable young man, Mr. Speed.
3: Well, make up your mind, Gutman. While you're doing it, keep that punk away from me. I'll kill him.
5: (laughs) Mr. Spade, I must say you've a most violent temper.
3: Well, think it over. You got till 5.30. Then you're either in or out for keeps. I'm off to see the district attorney.
2: The district attorney was a man who saw himself going places all expenses paid by taxpayers. He was blonde, medium of stature, perhaps 45 with aggressive eyes behind black eyeglasses. He wore a Brooks Brothers suit with a club tie, black cap-toed shoes. He started right in with Spade as soon as he was seated in front of his attorney's desk, large enough to accommodate a landing airplane. Now look, Mr. Spade, I've got a murder on my
4: hands. The boss is yelling for a conviction. We need your help. Now, who killed Floyd Thursby? I don't know. Mm. Perhaps you don't, but you could make an excellent guess.
3: Well, my guess might be excellent or it might be crummy. Either way, Mrs. Spade didn't raise any children dippy enough to make guesses in front of a district attorney and a stenographer. (laughs) Uh,
4: Mr. Spade, I wish you wouldn't regard this as a formal inquiry. And please don't think I have any belief in those theories the police seem to have formed. You see, they think you killed Thursby. Yeah? Well, what's your theory? Uh, Simple. Uh, Tell me who Archer was shadowing Thursby for, and I'll tell you the murderer. (laughs)
3: Well, that's where you're wrong.
4: Whether I'm wrong isn't for you to judge. I'm a sworn officer of the law, Mr. Spade. My duty I thought this was
3: an informal talk.
4: Oh, it is, but I just... Well, then,
3: listen... The police think I'm mixed up in those killings. Well, my best chance of clearing myself is to bring in the murderers all tied up. My only chance of ever tying them up is by keeping away from you and the cops, because you'd only gum up the works.
4: Now, just a minute, Mr. Spade. I've got
3: nothing to tell you or the police, and I'm tired of being called things by every crackpot on the city payroll. If you want to see me, pinch me or subpoena me or something, and I'll come down with my lawyer. See you at the inquest. You. Well, hiya, son. Didn't expect to see you till 525. I hope I haven't kept you waiting.
1: Keep on riding me, and they'll be picking iron out of your liver.
3: <laughs> the cheaper the crook, the gaudier the patter. I'm here to see Gutman.
1: He's upstairs. Tell the operator to call him.
5: Oh, uh, hello. They're on their way up now. Thank you. Oh, hello, operator. I don't want to receive any calls for about an hour. Yes, thank you.
3: Come on, get in, Sonny.
5: Mr. Spade? Here, Gutman.
3: Here's your boy's six-shooter.
5: Well? Well, what's this?
3: A crippled newsie took this away from him. I kept it. I was afraid he might hurt himself.
1: I'll get you, Spade. Someday I'll let you have it right in the
3: face. Ah, get out of here. Wait outside, Wilbur. By God, Mr. Spade, you're a chap worth knowing. An amazing character. Oh, by the way, I I owe you an apology. Never mind that, never mind. Let's talk about the
5: bird. All right, sir, let's. Mr. Spade, this is going to be the most outstanding thing you have ever heard. Yeah? What do you know, sir, about the Knights of Rhodes? Nothing. Well, they were crusaders, Mr. Spade. In 1539, these crusading knights persuaded the emperor Charles V to give them the island of Malta. Oh yeah? He made but one condition. They were to pay him each year the tribute of a falcon in acknowledgement that Malta was still under Spain. Do you follow me?
3: Yeah, so far.
5: Good, well, sir, the knights were profoundly grateful to the emperor for his generosity toward them. Mm-hmm. The very first year they sent him, not an insignificant live bird, but a glorious golden falcon, encrusted from head to foot with the finest jewels in their coffers. Well, sir, what do you think of that? I don't know.
2: Inspired by Spade's lack of response, Gutman waxed academic about his subject. If Spade was not impressed, he had only to wait a moment. Gutman would fire his imagination with inspired storytelling. These are
5: facts, sir. Historical facts. They sent this jeweled bird to Charles, who was then in Spain, but it never reached Spain. The famous buccaneer, Barbarossa, known more familiarly as Redbeard, took the knight's galley and the bird. Uh In 1713, it turned up in Sicily. In 1840, it appeared in Paris. Oh? It had, by that time, acquired a coat of black enamel so that it looked like nothing more than a fairly interesting black statuette. Then in 1922, a Greek dealer named Charles Constantinese found it in an obscure shop. No thickness of enamel could conceal its value from his eyes. Yeah, they're well gone. Well, sir, to hold it safe, Charlos re-enameled the bird. I see. I got wind of his find, but when I arrived in Athens, I discovered that the bird was gone, and Charlos murdered. That was over 20 years ago. Well, sir, it took me 20 years to locate that bird, but I did. I Traced it to the home of a Russian general, one Kamadov, living in exile in Constantinople. I sent some agents to get it. Well, sir, they got it. And I haven't got it. And where's Kemedov now? Oh, kemedov he died.
3: Very suddenly?
5: Yes, his heart.
3: And was there a knife in it or a bullet?
5: (laughs) And now, uh, before we start to talk prices, how soon are you willing to produce the falcon? Couple of days. Ah, that's quite satisfactory. Well, sir, let's drink to a fair bargain.
3: Well, what's your idea of a fair bargain?
5: $25,000 when you deliver the falcon to me, and another $25,000 later on. Or I'll give you one quarter of what I realize on the falcon. That would amount to a vastly greater sum.
3: Yeah, how much greater?
5: Who knows? Shall I say $100,000? That would be the minimum, mm. and uh, what, uh, what's the maximum? What would you say to a quarter of a million?
3: Well, then you think the uh, you think the thing is worth a million, huh?
5: At least. Uh,
3: that's uh, that's a lot of dough.
5: A lot of dough.
3: Minimum, huh? And the maximum, and the.
5: What's the matter, Mr. Spade? Are you feeling ill?
3: I feel... uh, What was...
5: What was in that uh, drink? The drink? Oh, I drugged it. (laughs) Yeah? You'll be unconscious very shortly, Mr. Spade. You'd better lie down. I wouldn't want you to fall.
3: (laughs) Well, that's... uh, Very good, huh? That's... Very...
5: Oh, dear, dear. Uh, Joel! Joel, come in.
7: Is he uh, unconscious?
5: Yes. You know, he's a very interesting person, Joel. The kind of man I enjoy dealing with.
2: Spade woke up on the floor, a crumple of arms and legs right where he had fallen.
3: My first thoughts were about three characters and a black bird. (laughs) My partner was dead and the cops were getting very uncooperative about the whole thing, including who killed Floyd Thursby. The name of Sam Spade was a cinch for the back page obituaries, but I came out of it somehow and managed to get up and stagger out of that apartment. I went around to the hotel where Joel Cairo had a room and made a deal with the house dick to let me search it. All I could find was a newspaper in the wastebasket folded back to the steamship news. There was a list of arrivals and one was marked. It said, eight, seven a.m., a La Paloma from Hong Kong. Well, that was good enough for me. I got a cab and rode to the docks. The La Paloma was on fire and burning beautifully. I went back to my office to hold my aching head and think things over.
6: Mr. Spade, what happened to you?
3: I wouldn't know. I went visiting this afternoon and was greeted with knockout drops. I collapsed and came to just a little while ago, all spread out on a man's floor. Who did it? The fat man. But why? Didn't have a chance to ask. Evidently, he wanted to get me out of the way for something.
6: But I don't get it. You... Hello? Yes? What? I can't hear you. Who is it? Give it to me again. Yes, I've got that. Captain who? Jacoby? Yes, I... Hello? Hello? She's gone.
3: Who's gone? Who?
6: It was the O'Shaughnessy woman. She wants you. Here's the address.
3: 26 Antro Street.
6: She's in some kind of trouble, Mr. Spade. She was telling me something about a captain, a ship captain named Jacoby, and then... And then something happened to her. What happened? I don't know, like, like she was being choked.
3: Yes, what do you... Oh! Mr. Spade? Who is it, Effie? I... it's...
6: I don't know, it's...
2: M- Mr. S- Spade? Yes? This package... for you. She told me... for you.
3: He was a tall guy in a long black overcoat with a package in his hands. Making gurgling noises before he fell like a tree. For
5: you.
6: Oh. Mr. Spade, Mr. Spade. Shut me. up. Close the door. Yes.
3: Spade took a
2: good look at the dead man on his office floor. He was Captain Jacoby off the
3: La Ploma. Is he, is he dead? Got about four slugs in him, that's all. Oh. Come on, pull yourself together.
6: I'm all right.
3: Uh, give me the scissors off the desk, will you? I want to see what's in this package.
6: Here. What is
2: it? Spade unwrapped the package, and there it was. The black bird.
3: We've got it, Angel. We've got it, the Maltese Falcon. The Falcon? Look at it, a black bird. A million bucks under a coat of enamel. She
6: said there was a, (laughs) that's what she was trying to tell us.
3: Now listen, I gotta get to her. Soon as I've gone, phone the police. Tell them how it happened, but forget he brought the bundle. Here, get it straight now. Yes. I'll leave the bird in the safe. When I call you, bring it to that Ancho Street address, got it? Yeah. And after you bring it to me, go out and call Dundee. Tell him to come on the run with about six cops. No mistakes, Effie, I may need them.
2: Spade took a cab to Ancho Street, the address Bridget O'Shaughnessy had given. The house was the second from the corner, a white stucco, one-story bungalow. A for sale or rent sign hung on a post out front. Judging by the neglected yard, now full of weeds, the house had been available for months. Spade stepped on the front porch and tried the front door, amused that it opened to his first touch. Inside, he searched each room, looking for Bridget O'Shaughnessy. He found her shivering in the dark corner of the back bedroom. He carried her to the living room, put her on the couch, and switched on the lights, and found
5: a surprise party waiting to greet him. Just keep your hands up, Mr. Spade, and sit down. Wilmer, shut the door. Well, sir, we're all here, waiting for you. And now, let's sit down, Spade, and be comfortable.
3: Sure.
0: Sam, I tried to call you. I wanted to tell you. Oh, it's
5: all
3: right, honey. Take it easy.
0: But they've been holding me here all last night and today.
5: But you've come to no harm, Miss O'Shaughnessy, as yet. Oh, Mr. Spade, I believe you know Mr. Cairo
7: yeah how do you do
5: (laughs) (laughs) and wilmer of course you carrying a rod
3: let me see ah get away you're not gonna frisk me stand still put your paw on me and i'm gonna make you use that gun ask your boss if he wants me shot up before we talk
5: sit down wilmer (laughs) mr spade you're certainly a most headstrong individual well uh, let's talk yeah are you ready to
3: make the first payment and take the falcon off my hands?
5: You're sure you have it. Sam, have you?
3: I didn't this afternoon, but I have now. Put the pot on, will you, Angel? I don't like to leave our guests. Then I am willing to pay. Joel, the money, please. Oh, uh, Wait, there's another thing to be taken care of first. We gotta have a fall guy. I beg your pardon? Oh, well, the police gotta have somebody they can stick for those three murders. Two,
5: only two murders, Mr. Spade. Thursby undoubtedly killed your partner. All right, too.
3: Point is, I've got to come through with somebody, a perpetrator, when the time comes. If I don't, I'll be it. And
5: whom do you recommend as this victim?
3: Oh, well, I'm not fussy. How about giving him Wilmer here? He'll do.
5: Why, you! <laughs>
3: get away, punk. Look, Gutman, if you kill me, how are you going to get the bird? And if I know you can't afford to kill me, how are you going to scare me into giving it to you?
5: Well, sir, there are other means of persuasion besides killing and threatening to kill. Yes,
3: that's, that's true. But there are none of them any good unless the threat of death is behind them. You see what I mean? If you start something, I'll make it a matter of your having to kill me or call it off.
5: That's an attitude, sir, that calls for the most delicate judgment on both sides, because, as you know, sir, in the heat of action, men are likely to forget where their best interests lie and let their emotions carry them away.
3: And the trick from my angle is make my place strong enough to tie you up, but not make you mad enough to bump me off against your better judgment.
5: (laughs) By God, Mr. Spade, you are a character.
3: Well, it's our best bet. If we turn him over to the cops, he'll be happy. We'll be free as the air.
5: Well, what do you think of this, Wilmer? Mighty funny, hmm? Yeah, mighty funny. Big laugh.
3: Well, anyway, he killed Thursby, didn't he? He's made the order for the party.
1: Get up on your feet!
3: Not ah, go away,
5: punk.
1: I've taken all the riding from you I'm gonna take. Get up and shoot it out!
5: Calm yourself, Wilmer. Mr. Spade, your plan is not at all practical. Let's not say anything more about it.
3: Well, all right. I got another suggestion, wanna hear it?
5: Most assuredly.
3: Well, give him Joel Cairo.
7: You always have a smooth answer, don't you?
3: What do you want me to do, learn to stutter?
7: Suppose we give them you, Mr. Spade, or Miss O'Shaughnessy. How well, about that?
3: Well, if you think she can be rigged for the part, I'm perfectly willing to discuss it with you. But look, you people want the Falcon. I've got it, and the Fall guy's part of the price. Sam! What's the matter? You don't mean it. You couldn't. No? Because I don't think the cops will be happy, Angel. Well, personally, I see only one guy who's really right, and that's Wilmer.
1: I'll kill him! I'll kill
3: him! Sit down, punk. Maybe you'll make more of an impression. You stand and then your cheap suit isn't working. Stop it! Stop it, do you hear? I told
1: him to lay off! I warned him!
3: I hated to do that, but the punk had it coming. <laughs> There's your fall guy, Mr. Gutman. What do you say?
5: I don't like it, sir. I feel towards Wilmer exactly as if he were my own son. I really do. But if I even for a moment thought of doing what you propose. What in the world do you think would keep Wilmer from telling the police every last detail about the Falcon and all of us? When you're slapped, you'll take
3: it and like it. <laughs> so whether you'll say yes right now or I'll turn the Falcon
5: and a whole lot of you in. Hmm. All right. You can have Wilmer. Carry him inside, Joe. Mr. Gutman, boss, please! Vilma, I'm very sorry indeed to lose you, and I want you to know that I couldn't be any fonder of you if you were my own son, but... Well, by gad, if you lose a son, it's possible to get another. But there's only one Maltese falcon. Where is it, Mr. Spade?
3: My uh, secretary left an hour ago with the falcon. She ought to be here in a few minutes. What about the money, Gutman?
5: In a few minutes, when she gets here.
3: Good enough. Now uh, let's get the details fixed. Now why did Wilmer kill Thursby and why and where did he shoot Captain Jacoby?
5: Well, I shall be candid with you, sir. Thursby was Miss O'Shaughnessy's ally. We believe that disposing of him would frighten Miss O'Shaughnessy into patching up her differences with us.
3: Well, that sounds all right. Now, uh, Jacoby?
5: Captain Jacoby's death was entirely Miss O'Shaughnessy's fault.
3: That's a lie. Well, tell me what happened.
5: Cairo saw in the newspaper the Jacobi's ship was arriving. They remembered that Jacoby and Miss O'Shaughnessy had been seen together in Hong Kong. Well, sir, he put two and two together and guessed the truth. She had given the bird to Jacoby to bring here.
3: Yes. And at that juncture, you decided to slip me the mickey, huh?
5: Well, I'm sorry. There was no place for you in our plans, Mr. Spade. Mr. Cairo and Wilmer and I went to the boat to call on Captain Jacoby and Miss O'Shaughnessy. We persuaded Miss O'Shaughnessy to come to terms, or so we thought. Well, sir, we should have known better. En route to my hotel, Captain Jacoby and the Falcon slipped completely through our fingers, except that Wilmer put a few bullets in him while he was running away. Oh, by the way, you said Jacoby died?
3: Yes, but uh, not until after he brought me the Falcon.
5: Ah, well, there's a bright side to everything, isn't there? I'll get it. It's
3: my secretary.
5: You won't mind if I go to the door with you. All right, come on.
3: Mr. Spade? Oh, well, thanks a lot, Effie.
6: I, I wrapped it up again. Is there anything else?
3: Uh, no, thanks. Uh, bye, Effie.
6: Goodbye, Mr. Spade. <laughs>
3: Let me have it, Mr. Spade. Now, easy, easy. Let me see it, quickly. Here. I guess the pleasure ought to be yours, Mr. Gutman.
5: After 20 years. 20 years. Yes. There it is. There you are, beauty. Is it? Is it the falcon? The original? We will make sure. Your knife, Joel. Here. Thank you. Just a tiny cut in the enamel, and underneath, Gutman, what's the matter? It's a fake! It's lead! It's a fake! But it can't be!
3: All right, O'Shaughnessy, you've had your little joke. Now tell us about it.
0: No, no, Sam, no! That's the one I got from Kemedov. I swear.
7: You bungled it, Gutman. You and your stupid attempt to buy it. Kemidov found out how valuable it was. No wonder we had such an easy time stealing it. You, you, you imbecile! You blotted idiot! You stupid fathead, you, he put a fake in its place.
5: Yes. That is Kemidov's hand. There's no doubt of it. Well, Joel, what do you suggest? Shall we stand here and shed tears and call each other names? Or shall we go to Istanbul? Istanbul?
7: You're still going to look for the falcon? For 20
5: years I have wanted that little item, and I have been trying to get it. I will go on trying.
7: Very well. I'll... I'll go with you. Yet, Wilmer,
5: we'll start tomorrow.
7: Yes, tomorrow. Wilmer, we're. Why, why, he's gone. What? The window is open. He's gone.
5: Ah, swell lot of thieves. Well, we have little enough to boast about, sir. That is true. But the world hasn't come to an end just because we've run into a little setback. I'm sorry about your money, Mr. Spade, but of course, you didn't earn it.
3: Well, I held up my end. You got your falcon, your hard luck, not mine, that it wasn't what you wanted. My hat, Joel. Now wait a minute.
5: Mr. Wait a minute. Mr. Spade, it will do you no good to argue. I haven't the money with me anyhow. Well,
3: I had an idea that was
5: it. Now, sir, we'll say goodbye to you. And since the shortest farewells are best, I do. And to you, Miss O'Shaughnessy, I leave the lead falcon as a little memento. I do!
2: With everyone gone, it was just Spade and Bridget O'Shaughnessy, alone in the vacant house. Time for a reckoning.
0: Sam? Sam, what are you going to do? Nothing. But those murders, you're mixed up in it. You said yourself the police needed a victim. Call them now, tell them about Gutman.
3: I don't have to call him. Gutman will be nailed before he goes a block. But when he's nailed, he'll talk about you. Now we're sitting on dynamite and we've only got a couple of minutes to get all set for the cops. Now give me all of it, fast, talk. Where should I begin? Well, the day you first came into my office. Why did you want Thursby shadowed?
0: I told you, Sam. I suspected him of betraying me and I wanted to find out.
3: Now that's a lie. You had Thursby hooked and you knew it. You wanted to get him out of the way before Jacoby came with the bird, isn't that so? Yes. And what was your scheme?
0: Well, I thought that if he saw someone following him, he might be frightened into going away.
3: Well, then you must have told Thursby that Archer was following him.
0: Yes, I told him. But please believe me, Sam. I wouldn't have told him if I thought Thursby would kill him.
3: Well, if you thought he wouldn't kill Archer, you were right, Angel. He didn't? No. Archer had been a cop too long to be caught like that up a blind alley with his gun tucked away on his hip and his overcoat buttoned. But he would have gone up there with you, Angel. He was just dumb enough for that. Sam! And then you could have stood as close to him as you liked in that dark and put a hole through him with a gun you'd gotten from Thursby that night.
0: Don't. Don't talk to me like that, Sam. You'd know I didn't.
3: Oh, shut up. This isn't the spot for the schoolgirl act. Why'd you shoot him?
0: Oh, I didn't mean to at first. I didn't really, but when I saw that Thursby couldn't be frightened, I... Oh, Sam, darling... Go
3: on, go on. When you found out that Thursby didn't mean to tackle Archer, you borrowed the gun and did it for yourself, right? Yes. you didn't know then that Gutman was here hunting for you until you heard Thursby had been shot, and then you knew you needed another protector, so you came back to me.
0: yes, but but, Sam, it wasn't only that. I would have come back to you sooner or later.
3: Don't give me that. A pair of us are sitting under the gallows.
0: From the very first minute I saw you, I knew that I
3: Oh you angel. I hope they don't hang you precious, by that sweet neck.
0: What? Oh, no, you're not going to. Yes,
3: Angel, I'm going to send you over. Chances are you'll get off with a life. If you get a good break, you'll be out of San Quentin in 20 years. You can come back to me then. If they hang you, well, I'll always remember you.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, don't, Sam. Don't say that.
3: You're taking the fall, darling.
0: You're doing this to me. Don't you understand, Sam? I'm in love with you.
3: (laughs) That's the stuff that dreams are made of. I want to believe you all of me wants to say the hell with the consequences and believe you you counted on that for me just as you counted on that with the others but I won't do that
0: but you can't you can't
3: yes I can you killed a man darling remember
0: I haven't lived a good life Sam it's true I've been bad worse than you could know but I'm not all bad look at me Sam you know I'm not all bad don't you you can see that can't you And can't you trust me just a little?
3: You know, that's good. Because if you actually were as innocent as you pretend to be, we'd never get anywhere.
0: You know deep down in your heart. You know that in spite of anything I've done, I love you.
3: I don't care who loves who. I'm not going to play the sucker. I won't walk in Thursby's and I don't know how many others' footsteps. When a man's partner is killed, he's supposed to do something about it. It doesn't make any difference what you thought of him. It was a partner, and you're supposed to do something about it. And it happens I'm in the detective business. Well, when one of my organization gets killed, it's bad business to let the killer get away with it. Bad all around, bad for every detective everywhere. You killed Miles, and you're going over for it. Sam! That's the cop.
0: Don't let them in, please!
3: Sit tight, honey.
0: Sam! Hello,
3: Spade. Come in. You get the fat man? We got him. Kid too. That's swell. Here's another one for you. She killed Miles.
4: Can you prove it?
3: Can I, Miss O'Shaughnessy? Can I prove it? Go on, tell him. Yes.
4: All right, come on.
3: So long, Miss O'Shaughnessy.
0: This, this doesn't mean anything to you, does it? Don't you love me, Sam? And what about the money? I could have steered you into a lot of money.
3: Well, a lot of money would have been at least one more item on the other side of the scales.
0: If you loved me, you'd need nothing more on that side.
3: Maybe. But I won't play the sap for you. You're going away. I'll have some rotten nights, but that'll pass. (laughs) So that's the story of the Maltese Falcon. Every bit of it true. I'm still a private eye, but working alone. No more partners. It's easier that way. I can pick and choose my clients, always knowing that I've got the gold bird hidden away safely. Yeah, I had a copy made from some melted lead candlesticks I got from a fence in Chinatown. The real one I hid away. Someday, maybe when the case is even colder, I'll sell it, take the money, and buy a small bar up in North Beach. I'll sit at one end, drink one for miles, and talk to customers. One day, another slick chick will walk in with an improbable story, but she'll have to convince me she knows what her story's all about and not just fiddling around, hoping it'll all come out all right in the end. I don't mind a reasonable amount of trouble, but I'll have to be careful not to drink too much because if she's as innocent as she pretends to be, we'll never get anywhere, (laughs) especially if she tries to buy my loyalty with money and nothing else. (laughs)
2: Thank you so much for joining us tonight as we reimagine the Maltese Falcon. You were entertained tonight by Kellen Conley as Lieutenant Dundee, a detective with the San Francisco Police Department, Jack McCracken as Tom Polehouse, another San Francisco police detective, and Casper Gutman, the fat man. Ariana Dorenbosch as Effie Perrine, Sam Speed's much suffering secretary. Bob Meek as Miles Archer, Spade's unfortunate partner, and Wilmer Cook, the young tough guy. Greg Chilling as Joel Cairo, who smells of gardenias. Barbara Richardson as Bridget O'Shaughnessy, a beautiful but treacherous femme fatale, and Larry Taylor as Sam Spade, a hard-boiled detective with a comeback for everything. Dean Lyon created live sound effects for you tonight, Ari Nicholas designed the lighting, Lane Kennison was our stage manager, Dan Wyatt Jr. was technical producer. Reimagined Radio is a collaboration between Kiggins Theater, Metropolitan Performing Arts, and the Creative Media and Digital Culture Program at Washington State University, Vancouver. I'm John Barber, producer and director of Reimagined Radio. Thank you for joining us for an evening of storytelling. Please watch the Kiggins website and social media under the hashtag Reimagined Radio for news of our next performance. Good night, everyone, and thank you for joining us. This has been Reimagined Radio with our performance of the Maltese Falcon.
4: Thank you for listening to Monday Matinee right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Tuesday Terrors for Horror, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Thursday Thrillers for Action, Adventure, Mystery, and Crime Drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for Kids and Families Alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network.
0: The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.